Hey, um, I'm up here real quick before we jump in the message that I need to give us an update on our Come Alive thing. It's a two-year initiative for our master plan of our expansion of our facility, our campus right here. And this past week, we have now over $100,000 that have actually came in. So everyone gets a hundred grand candy bar this morning, all right, as a celebration. So eat it now so you don't fall asleep during my teaching, okay? So you got a little sugar, all right? Hey, here's another really cool thing. About every four to seven weeks, we're going to update you on our progress and where we're at. So that was one highlight that we just accomplished. Milestone number one was over $100,000 have actually came in now. Milestone number two was last Monday we met with our construction management firm, which was uh, Miller Davis out of Kalamazoo, and Elevate Studio, which is our design company, architectural firm. And we met with them all day on Monday, and they are beginning to phase out what is our first phase that what we can uh, borrow and what we've committed as a church to build, and they have a timeline. I'm not going to give you that timeline yet, because things can always change. But in the meantime, they're meeting, and we're going headstrong into this. So you will be seeing a lot of changes over the next year happening, and then, boom, it's going to get going, okay? So continue to be faithful. We thank you for what you've done so far, and 100 grand candy bars are awesome, all right? Oh, yeah, one more thing. I didn't tell first service this. I'll tell you guys it. This is awesome. Uh, I met Singly, after everyone left our meeting on Monday, I met with uh, our head designer. His name's Steve, and Steve said, you know, Ryan, there's one really cool thing is we work with a lot of churches building new buildings and extensions and all, all that project stuff. And he said, but there's something special about Radiant Life and your team. He's like, it makes me want to work for you guys. And I was like, that's so awesome. He's like, no, you don't understand. Like, I go to churches where... I love the pastors, but they're just like a lot of tension. He's like, you guys are fun and love Jesus. And I say that because I think our staff is great and we do love Jesus. We try to love him more every day and we make mistakes. But it was really encouraging to hear that. Then Enjoy, who was our financial advisor that looked all through our last three to four years of our finances to get a range. Our goal was 600000 to raise and we raised $1.1 He said internally... And they work with churches all across America. They have never seen a church blow their projections out of the water like Radiant Life did. That is awesome. So good job, church. Good job. Yeah, as well with that, I just want to add, um, a few weeks, you know, you've seen Brandon come up and share a story about how Come Alive has impacted them. And it might seem silly that something like the Come Alive initiative could impact somebody's spiritual walk. Um, but it's true. And so if we're looking once a month, once every other couple of months to share a story about how Come Alive might have impacted you to capture that on video. So I'm the person to talk to if you really feel like God has been teaching you something through this and you want to share that. So come and touch base with me if you do. God, we uh, just come before you this morning and we just uh, thank you. We thank you a hundred thousand times and much more than that. We thank you for what you're doing here through this initiative, what you're doing here just through the people. Um, and we're really humbled by that. And we see just your love and we see your goodness and we see just the wonder of who you are. And so we just want to take a moment and just recognize 
that you are a God that is so full and that you are a God that recklessly loves us in so many different capacities. And as this morning, as we start a new teaching series titled Insecurity, God, it could, it could be heavy for some people. And so would you just meet us this morning? Meet us in those places that might sometimes be really hard to talk about, might sometimes be really hard to give to you. This morning, we just pray that you would give us hearts willing to surrender, hearts willing to just meet you in those places. And we pray this all in your son's matchless name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, real quick, turn to your neighbor and say, how you doing? Turn to your other neighbor and say, how you doing? (laughs) Well, hey, friends, we are jumping into a three-part teaching series together titled Insecurity, and we'll, we'll do two more Uh, parts after this. I'm going to tell you next week on Mother's Day, you're going to want to bring your mind and get ready to take a lot of notes and understand a story that we're going to unpack next week. So that's the prep for next week, okay? Um, But I believe, truly believe deep down, one of the greatest tragedies of the Christian walk of following Jesus is allowing our insecurities to sabotage what God wants to do in us and through us. I believe this is not just a female issue. You hear, oh, she's so insecure. It's not just a female issue. Men, we struggle with this as well. We're just prideful and don't say it. Just flat out, we're prideful. This is an issue that everyone deals with. So this morning, we're going to cover about 13 verses really quick. So if you've got your Bible, your tablet, or your phone, turn with me to the Newer Testament in the book of John. It's about two-thirds of your way through your Bible, and I cheat because I put my little ribbon there. Boom. I would have won the sword drill. All right, John chapter 20. We're going to be John chapter 20. We're going to start on verse 19. But let me set up the story real quick while you turn there, and it'll be on the screens for you as well. Jesus has just died. Jesus was buried in the tomb, borrowed from Joseph of Aramaeth. They borrowed his tomb, laid Jesus in. Three days later, Mary has gone to the tomb and realized Jesus isn't there. She's going to go tell the disciples that Jesus is risen. He's not there. And there's going to be one disciple in particular that is struggling with his own pain and insecurity. And he's going to make a bold, assertive statement that we're going to unpack. So John chapter 20, verse 19, begins this way. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were what, friends? Overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, can you for a minute imagine being in their shoes? It's been three days you haven't seen Jesus. You literally think he got crucified on that cross. He's dead. A guy that you've been following for three and a half years. Seeing him do awesome things and healing and doing miraculous teachings. It's just phenomenal what Jesus is doing. Can you imagine all of a sudden you're in that room and Jesus is there? And they're just overjoyed. And the story continues. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you 
forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, turn your neighbor and say Didymus. Don't name your child Didymus, but that's just a fun name to say. Didymus, one of the 12. Now right here in the story, there's 11 because Judas, the one disciple, has hung himself. So there's 11 here. Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So actually in the story right now, there's 10 of them with Jesus. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, this is Thomas, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And then the writer of John tells us, a week later, eight days have gone by. His disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with him. So the story's turned. Now Thomas is in the house, finally, with them. Here it goes. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas' response, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, one of the things that I love about that story is this idea of Thomas. Thomas being so insecure and full of pain because he doesn't think Jesus is alive. Thomas needs proof, right? Hey, I want to put my hands into the nail marks, and I want to put my hand into the side of Jesus. Thomas wants evidence. John Maxwell, a leadership guru, He's an ordained minister as well. Says, when we're insecure, there's six common things that we demonstrate or put on. And if you're a note taker, there's six C's. They're all C's, so it's nice and easy for you to remember. So when we are insecure, here's some things that we do. Number one, we compare. We are so good at comparing ourselves to others. Because there's something back there that we're so insecure that we've allowed to creep into our heart and we carry and we say, well, I'm not as bad as that person, right? Or I've got it better, right? And we begin to compare when we are insecure. In fact, two weeks ago, I sat down with our Radiant Life team and I went over this teaching with them because I think it's so important to understand is how do we act out when we're insecure? And for many of us, we compare. Number two is we compensate. There's an insecurity in our lives, so what we do is we overcompensate for that insecurity. We act out. We see this a lot with maybe kids sometimes. Maybe sometimes adults, you overcompensate. This is, I think, where addictions come in. You have an insecurity there, so what do you do? You overcompensate for that, and you turn to alcohol, and you turn to drugs, and you turn to websites you shouldn't be clicking on. You turn to things. You overcompensate for a pain that's still in the past because there's insecurity. Number three, we compete. We compete. Here's the danger in church world. Churches will compete with each other, yet we're all on the same team. Put the denominations aside. It's all about God's kingdom, but we'll compete. 
Well, how many do you have in attendance? Well, how many salvations do you have? And we'll compete in America. And when we're insecure, we'll say, well, let's compete then. Number four, we're compulsive. Maybe some of us are people pleasers and you're, you just make a decision because you're so compulsive, you want to just please someone, so you make that decision without really sitting back and say, I need to make a rational, full of God's wisdom decision here, but you're so worried with insecurities that you're compulsive and you just make a decision. Compulsiveness. Number five, we can get really good at this, we'll condemn. We'll get really judgmental towards others. And you know how this creeps out? Verbally. We'll verbalize people, condemn them through our words. And lastly, when we're insecure, we control. It's this idea of we know our, our value and our worth, but if I can control situations because there's a little insecurity, I can keep adding value and worth because I'm just insecure, so we try to control everything. I just read an article this past week that there's no longer anything called helicopter parents. Maybe some of you have heard that, that idea that mom and dad hover over their kids wherever they go. It's, it's uh, helicopter parenting. Now, there's lawnmower parents, right? How many of you love mowing the yard? I love it. Anyone else? Okay, just me. Oh, thank you. Got a couple of hands. It's so life-giving to me. The thing is, when I mow, you got to have perfect lines, okay? None of this zigzagging, circling just to get it done. Perfect lines, okay? You got to have that. How many of you, you despise lawn mowing? You're like, any of you? Yeah, you're like, that, that sucks the life out of me, right? But this idea now of controlling with lawnmower parents, it's this idea that, and you look at a lawn, if it's done, okay, in my eyes, correctly, you've got perfect lines that are there. The idea is that we make our kids perfect, and then they get out of our care at the age of 18 and realize the world's not perfect, and they stumble in life. Because we've taught them everything is perfect, like the lawn. I feel sorry for my kid. There's my son, Brayden. He'll never know how to mow because I love mowing. I won't let him get on the mower. Nope, this is my job. Sorry, bud. You can watch me. All right. It's mine, though. It's my job. My job. All right. So six ways that we compare, six, or six ways we act out when we allow uh, insecurity to creep into our lives. But I want to set the foundation this morning as we have two more weeks to go deeper and unpack things. But my major question this morning is, how do we step out of our insecurity? What do we do if we know that we're carrying those insecurities in our lives? What is the first step? How do I break free of my insecurity? And I want to set with this statement that will send the foundation for the movement of this entire series and for the next two weeks with this sentence. Resolve the event that fostered the insecurity. Resolve the event that fostered the insecurity. Because insecurity in our lives, there's a trigger. Something in our lives has triggered to make us insecure. We have to go back to figure out what is that. And for Thomas... What was Thomas's trigger in his life 
in John chapter 20, when he sat there for three and a half years following this rabbi, following this great teacher, following the Son of God named Jesus, what was it in his life that made him be so confident to get the nickname Doubting Thomas? To sit there and say, I got to feel the nails in the hands, in Jesus' hands. I don't believe you, the rest of the disciples, that Jesus is alive. What triggered that for Thomas? Well, you got to jump over to John chapter 11 to notice something first. So if you're, with, if you're with me, turn over to John chapter 11. We're going to be in verse 14 because something significant happens here. As you turn there, this is the death of Lazarus. Jesus' friend has died, and Jesus is going to talk to his disciples, 12 of them at the time. He's going to talk to them and give them these instructions. So John chapter 11, verse 14. So then he, referring to Jesus, told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad. That doesn't sound very nice, Jesus. Like your best friend just died, and you're glad. But then he says, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. So he's setting up the disciples for something significant. And Jesus is, finally says to his disciples, but let's go to him. So Jesus and the disciples are going to make their trip. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus. Do you think Thomas is irritated all the time? Like, okay, writers, stop saying I'm also known as Didymus all the time. Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples... Thomas says this, let us also go that we may, what are these three words? Die with him. So here you have Thomas in John chapter 11 saying, I'm ready to go with the rest of the disciples and Jesus. Let's go die with him. I'm all in, Jesus, even to the death, I'm in. And then John chapter 11, you have a guy that says, I don't believe Jesus is alive. I want to see proof. I want to see the nails. I want to see his side. My question is, what changed in Thomas's mind from being all in, I'm willing to die with you, Jesus, to he isn't even alive anymore? Where did the pain and the insecurity in Thomas's life creep in? What happened between John 11 and John 20? And there's one thing. The cross happened. The guy that he followed for three and a half years. Everything he thought and knew about this guy called Jesus, it ended here for him. The guy that's called the Messiah, see in the disciples' mind, they truly believed that their Messiah would be the one to deliver them from the oppression of the Roman government. And Jesus says, no, I'm ushering in a whole brand new kingdom that you've never thought about. It's about love and forgiveness and grace. I'm ushering that in. And it all died for Thomas with the cross. And the guy that he followed on a criminal's cross changed everything. And if this one event did that for Thomas, what about you? What event in your life? that you know triggered that insecurity. Maybe you can go back and realize, I remember my divorce. And I've been carrying that. And that's where I get so in, in, um, 
just to be so in, insecure because I remember what I had to go through back then. I never realized I'm carrying it with me. I remember when my child rebelled or my niece and nephew rebelled. It just shattered my heart. And I've been trying to tell myself I'm a good parent, I'm a good parent, I'm a good parent. Even though my child has rebelled, I'm a good parent. But I'm carrying these insecurities the moment my child ran away from Jesus and ran away from home. Or maybe for some of us, you remember mom and dad telling you, you're a loser, you're a failure, and I'll never love you. And we remember that. See, for us, we got to go back to that event that fostered the insecurity. Allow Jesus to take us back there. Because Jesus had to take Thomas back there. And I'll trust Jesus that he'll take us through there. Look at how, Je- how Jesus brought Thomas back to this event. John chapter 20 again. When Thomas was finally with the disciples in the room, then he, Jesus, said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Thomas, stop doubting and believe. I have to take you back to where your insecurity started and it was the cross. Here I am, touch it all. And Thomas's response when Jesus brought him back to that event, his response, my Lord and my God. And that's the exact same response you and I can get if we allow Jesus to take us back to resolve our insecurities in our lives. That we will realize that God is greater and bigger than those insecurities that we've been carrying. You know, I don't know about you, but I remember college. I loved college. It was a good time. Not in a bad way. Uh, It was a good time. I loved, I absolutely, that's where I believe my faith kind of just skyrocketed in college at a Christian college. And uh, if you know anything about college, you have to pay for your classes per credit hour. And uh, if you fail a class, you got to take it again. I'm not speaking from experience. I'm just telling you the truth. You got to pay for it again. And when you pay for it again, it costs you more. Because every year, what happens to tuition prices? They go up. So you got to take that class again. What do you do? You pay more. And that's what we do in life. We allow insecurities to creep in into our marriages and into our relationships and in our work. And we carry insecurities and it's costing us more every day we carry them. I want to graduate. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to graduate. If it's going to happen with our insecurities... We got to allow Jesus to take us back to the event that fostered it. And for Thomas, all right, Jesus. I wonder what it was like for Thomas to finally go back to that moment and actually say, I want to put my hand in those nail marks. I wonder what what Thomas was feeling when he put his hand into the side of Jesus. I wonder if just Thomas must have been overwhelmed because he says, my Lord and my God. I'm going to wrap up with this one, one more slide. Security or sabotage? It's your choice. We can live 
insecurity of who Jesus is, if we begin to take that first step of going back to that event that fostered this insecurity or continue to live with our insecurities, that will sabotage who God has called you to be. Because the heart and passion and belief behind this entire series is that you and I will be the people who God created us to become. For you to be the mom God created you to be. To you to be the dad who God created you to be. To be the businessman or businesswoman God has created you to be. To live in security and not live your life sabotaged by the fear and insecurities that we allow to creep into our lives. To be the husband, to be the mother, to be the father, to be the wife, to be the classmate, to be the teammate that God has called us to be, to live in to our purpose and calling in life. But are you going to allow Jesus to take you back to that event? And I know what some of you are thinking right now. No way. It's too painful back here. And I don't want to be reminded of what's back here. But the issue is, you already are reminded. Every day you wake up, you realize you're carrying those insecurities with you. You have to trust Jesus to take you back. And trust that he will take you through it. And see it to the end. This is the groundwork for next week. Next week... You're going to see a lot of maps, and we're going to understand a little deeper level. But let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, it's, it can be so painful to go back to events that cause us so much pain that causes us so much insecurity in our lives. But we just want to trust you in the process. We want to completely give it over to you, Jesus, and say, take me back and do whatever you have to do in my heart. Because this morning there's some of us who are absolutely tired of carrying these insecurities, that we want to be the person the man, the woman that you've called us to be. I'm reminded, God, what your word says. Your spirit is not of fear, but it's of power and might. May we live into your spirit of power and might. When you take us back to those events, may we not get fearful, but may we rely on your power to see us through it to work on whatever we got to work on in our hearts that we're still carrying, that fostered that insecurity inside. God, we know you will kick down every door. You will climb every mountain to get to us. May we freely receive that this morning and trust you and know that you are good even when that event in our past seems so